This evening's Dharma talk is titled, I think it's Enemy Number One. Is that it? Who thought that up? Oh, I think that I think that came from Kozan, and it was a something to do with the talk I gave or book study or something a while back where I said something like that. Or and now she wants me to explain it. She wants me to give a whole talk on it. So, if it goes awry, we know who to blame. So the idea there, of course, is just a, <clears throat> I'm always talking about the same thing over and over, as you know, so it's just some excuse to, so if somebody goes on to YouTube, uh, they, I haven't heard that before. Well, they probably have. I'm saying the same stuff over and over again, and just in different ways, and, but I don't often, often do it with a hash pipe. It's not a hash pipe. This is a this is a teaching stick. It's a kotsu. And what I did was not sacrilegious. What you thought was sacrilegious, but not what I did. Enemy number one. Let's enemy number one is a way of a topic so that I can say a little bit and you can ask questions about that hidden aspect of consciousness that does not want to be discovered is called the ego or narcissism or the the self that has no particular credentials except, except the ones that can forge in other words lie a lot of things that are not true buy into believe can uh, uh, conclude exclude anything anytime anything is being pushed or pulled or shut down all three of those passion, aggression, and ignorance, the self-centeredness can thrive and can get some kind of what, oxygen, some kind of a relative uh, complement to the, the mind stream, the life stream, the credibility of self. Uh, Trump or in particular gave a talk in early 1970s called Buddha Dharma without credentials. Awakened truth, truth, Buddha, awakened Dharma, awakened truth, with no proof. So no, if there's proof, then it's it's not Buddha Dharma. It's it might be a kind of Dharma, but it's not awakened Dharma. It may not be sound asleep Dharma either, but it's not awake. Awake. And what is what is Buddha Dharma awake to? Simply put. There isn't anything else but Buddha. But just the awakening itself is a singularity if you need one, which you won't need one if you see what it is. You might need one in order to approach that on the cushion uh, in terms of the teacher, the teaching, and the community, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. You take refuge in the Buddha as the example of someone who is sane, in other words, not at war with anyone, even though they're in a human form. They're wandering around, hungry or satiated, blind or with piercing vision, totally healthy or on the verge of collapse. Buddha, Buddha. Refuge in the Buddha is someone who's sane. Refuge in the Dharma is what he taught, what the Buddha taught. Everything is dependently arisen. 
as I said, same talk over and over. Everything is dependently risen. Nothing comes from its own side as an individual being or self, including the ego, including Buddha nature. Any conceptual structure is is a is a three paces back away from ultimate reality because it needs to be because it is the relative situation we have to work with. Why? Because we've been downloaded into a human form and we've been here for a while, so we tend to believe we are somebody. Somebody that can get somewhere. Relativity, someone who can fail at getting somewhere. And it's not that those situations don't show up of failure, success and failure, right and wrong, up and down, life and death. Health and sickness, of course they do. So the enemy number one, what's being pointed out there with that title, and I'm not sure what I said to the Travis City Sangha that included that statement. I'm not sure I even did. Maybe that's something Kozan thought up and lied about in order to make me say stuff. Honestly, in order to get me to answer questions that he wants the answer to. Okay, enough lollygagging. So, why is it an enemy? Because it's always trying to fool you, swindle you, take away your wisdom mind. convince you somehow that what you're seeing is not true or something else that you're seeing, this is the truth, you should, shouldn't do this, you should do that. But quite often I say to my students, don't tell anybody anything. Uh, you're practicing the Dharma, practice the Dharma. Don't convert anybody. Buddhism does not convert people. If it's converting people, it's not Buddhism. Anytime you convince anybody of something based on your idea of what someone needs, you don't know the karma that another person needs to go through before they're even ready to receive the Buddha Dharma. What's being said, I'm saying, it's not that one person might not be helped by the Buddha Dharma, but not for 10 more more years of what? Trudging around through samsara, trying to squeeze out some happiness out of relative truth. Might have to go through that. And you, me, we all should respect people's confusion. If you respect somebody's confusion, that doesn't mean believing them. It's your distance. Receive them. Don't join them necessarily. Don't object to them necessarily, unless you're invited into that by a question or something like that. And then you tell them about it. But keep it short. Get get to the period of the sentence really quick. And then see if they have a question. If they don't, talk about your lawnmower. You know, the one that doesn't have a handle. It's handleless. And I don't mean a Friedrich handle. No, not funny. So, enemy, number one. So, it's an enemy because it's cheating you, causing you to continually to grasp at this and reject that and increasing your paranoia about everything, about how you've been mistreated, how you're, how you're not getting what you deserve, how somebody else's, this is yours and somebody else's eating at your lunch counter and they shouldn't be there. And all kinds of relative things. It's, it's a painful, isn't it? Painful. 
it's difficult. So we're using this image of some some aspect of consciousness that is, um, enemy number one. So it's it's the first the first misunderstanding, the first mistaken identity, the first culprit that is in hiding and trying to wear all kinds of masks and things where you can't see that this this aspect of consciousness is like a cloud behind a barrier, behind a wall. And you have to see it. And how do you see it? You don't break down walls. You just look at them. Because nothing lasts, especially if it's not fiddled with or if you don't start pulling on it. Even though Trungpa Rinpoche once said, referred to the walls of the mind of the ego like uh, a brick wall you take apart brick by brick. I would say there's something to that in that you very slowly see the little brick-shaped self-deceptions that show up, thinking that you're somebody that you're not, thinking that someone else is someone that they are not, that we tend to believe it, and then we begin to see, we made that up, that, that is not really happening there. We're inventing that. And then we might go into, why are we inventing that? That why question, will take you in another circle. And this is one of the ploys of uh, enemy number one, is to get you to go in circles and make you think it's a straight line. The very nature of this samsara is circular. You have a, hopefully, you have a, a what do they call them? Auto de fe clocks? Auto de fe, uh, no, analog, sorry. My confusion. Auto de fe, that's that other dangerous situation. So you have an analog, goes in circles. Sun and moon go in circles. Digital situations do not go in circles. Well, they do go in circles, but you get to go in circles for them. They're static. <clears throat> Enemy, somebody that's <laughs> difficult, is pushing you, trying, threatening you, taking your stuff, uh, cheating you, uh, whatever, robbing you of your wisdom. The bandits of hope and fear are on the path and are endeavoring to rob you of your wisdom, of your clarity. So if you don't say why, what would you say? You say the other W word is what? What is this? This is what you do when you sit down and face the wall, sit down, hold still. What the hell is this? You don't have to say the hell, but what is the wall? What, what are, what is, what is this posture? What is this? What is, what is a human being, you in this case, what is, what is, what is this? What is sitting down, holding still, and endeavoring to follow the instruction, which is from this person is just observe. Very simple instruction, very radical, very minimal instruction. And as soon as you begin to do that over a few days, few weeks, few months, it does not necessarily get easier, but something about it may tell you, or may not, you may go another direction and go back into some other kind of meditation or yoga or who knows what? Something that may feel better to you or more authentic. Not here to just uh, to disagree with you or have a 
of eight. But the thing about Chikantaza is it's, it actually begins to look at the enemy. It actually looks at that it's number one. It actually uh, looks at what's that other part? Enemy number numero no. It looks at that. And it, when it looks at that, it doesn't see much. It just sees some kind of darkness or some kind of a wall. Because in order for anything to show up as something else, it has to have characteristic features and so on, which tend to do what? Take us in circles. So that's why I have said, you've heard other teachers say, besides me, sit down, hold still, watch what moves until you just don't even know what you're doing or what you're looking at or why you're even there. This is, this is very threatening to self-centeredness, to ego, to, to the enemy number one, because it's like there's too much openness, too many spotlights. Uh, uh, I'm being examined by what? Who's examining me? Like you're sitting still, and and your your very uh, false nature, your very uh, enemy number one is starting to get nervous. Starting to little beads of sweat are rising on this problem because it might not be so good. So you might hear you might hear coming out of your this mind space. You might hear something saying. This is not working. Shouldn't we find something else to do? So this is why it's so necessary to have some kind of a structure to help you. The Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the three jewels. 2,500 years of this. Long time. And it shows up in different ways with different schools. I just spoke with someone today who's a, who was a Buddhist, uh, who was a student in Kwanam. Uh, Kwanam, I think I'm saying that right a form of Zen, Zen Buddhism that shows up in ancient Korea. Different, but not better, not worse. We need all of these schools. There are so many different dynamics, so different, so many different ways of being confused, but could be covered by enemy number one, mistaken identity, mistaken identity. Here, there is no one here. It just looks like it. And there's no one out there. It just looks like it. Both of those have to be taken care of from the point of view of awareness. You have to see what it is. You don't have to get rid of it. Getting rid of it, then it just, then we have accomplished something. We we're suddenly that someone who doesn't believe in duality, we get a credential because we know so much about non-duality. Realization. Say it. Has to be seen. If it's seen, if it is seen, then there is no conclusion because the very nature of relative truth is conclusion. And if you see what this is, you've transcended it. That, does that mean you've left it behind? No, because then it would be more relativity. Did you seek or said yes? So you agree with me? Like, yes. You do? You agree with me? Your eyes are bugging out. <laughs> Anybody else agree? You agree? Oh, he didn't agree. It took three, the third person finally wised up and realized the best thing to say is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, Don is right. Aren't you, are you right, Don? 
I don't know. Ah, <laughs> uh, good answer. That's a great answer. Don't worry, I'm not gonna embarrass anybody else. Just those guys. And I didn't embarrass anybody because they all know that I'm harmless. Questions, please, if you have them. Enemy number one. Kevin Bowling. What is it about proof that makes the Dharma doze off, Bowling? Yeah, what well, makes it makes it doze off because the proof is relative. It's a relative situation and relative proof is uh, when these two come, things come together, there's going to be a sound. Want me to prove it? What are you going to do with it? You can't, you can't collect that unless you write books about it or talk about it or explain it. So, but this is the sound. This is what Zen, Zen Buddhist uh, teaching in the past, one of the famous koans is the sound of one hand clapping. And the reason that is spoken that way is because the sound of one hand clapping uh, is a sound. But whereas this sound is here, here it is. Okay, it's gone. The sound of one hand, hand clapping can never go away because it's never been produced. So therefore it's, it is uh, eternal. As has been said in the past, the nature, sound itself is not eternal, but the nature of sound is eternal from the point, relative point of view, since we're all hanging out here and talking. More, Kevin? Senchu. Senchu Bowing, is there any way to avoid the first misunderstanding? Uh is asking if there's any way of, to avoid the first misunderstanding, which is mistaken identity, that we are somebody. I don't know uh, if there's a way to avoid it. I'm not saying there isn't, but it doesn't look like it. The only thing, the way we can work with that is to meet the truth, meet the Buddha's Dharma, meet the truth. It might not be Buddhism, it might be something else, but it has to deal with that whole factor of identity. Somebody doing something relative, if somebody is connected to a body-mind complex that is producing all kinds of things that are saying, yeah, you're here, you can feel, you can touch, smell, taste, hear, think, you can, you can evaluate, you can judge, you can make money, you can lose money, you can rob or you can get robbed, you can live further or you can, just all the polarities are constantly yammering at you. You're somebody, you're real. You're, we even do it uh, uh, in, a, in a way that is extremely, uh, that seems extremely helpful, but it's actually, ultimately is damaging and not helpful. And that's like trying to help somebody get self-esteem. You know, you're really a valuable person. You're not that we couldn't say that in some ways, but quite often that is, uh, is more about the person who is saying it, wanting to be a person who's helpful, which is another a sneaky backdoor of the deception we call ego, trying to look like a helpful person rather than be fundamentally, fundamentally helpful in most cases is mind your own business and respect people's confusion rather than go in and go to war with them over it. And of course, what I say about that is a uh, train your mind. I'm not saying train your mind like you're on a ski slope necessarily, training your body to do something. I'm saying look and see the way in which your mind is entrained by hope and fear and belief and, and wanting something else. Second noble truth of the Buddha. First one is suffering. The second one is wanting something else. 
wanting, not wanting this, wanting some, some something other, desire. And it just takes us in circles. This is not mean, in case you're jumping the so-called gun, this is not mean you have to get rid of uh, desire or aggression. That's a, that's a trap. And that's another sneaky way that ego, enemy number one, uh, keeps you entrained into thinking that you have to do something about the bad things and push up the good things and get rid of the bad things and all that. Control, 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 control. You don't. You can do the whole thing with awareness. Be aware. Train yourself to be aware of whatever is moving this way and that way. It may look good, may look bad, may look neutral. But do nothing with it other than just receive, just observe that movement. And eventually, at, over time, there's no guarantee, but eventually over time, that identity that is trying to hide out so it is not seen through as something that's unreal, a shimmer uh, eventually that it can't hide out if unless it, it has to have some passion. Uh, and I don't mean the, the emotion, the, the passion of uh, listening to Mozart. I don't mean that kind of passion, which is a liberated kind of emotion. There's no, there's no jealousy there. I'm not saying that somebody wasn't jealous of Amadeus, but I'm not saying there's in the production of that, no jealousy. Uh, in the paintings of, uh, of Van Gogh, no intense passion without grasping. I'm not saying his personality wasn't disturbed and he eventually had to end his life because of intense suffering, but that which he produced was uh, unhindered that ever happened with such a uh, so much insanity and fear going on that's why it is so amazing i could say more but i'd rather hear from one of you yeah. don don bowing um from the example of you picking on on the three of us, uh, how should we receive your teaching? Oh, you did it. You didn't fight back. You didn't get upset. Well, at least you're not showing me that. Uh, you, um, you, you did it. You received it. All of you did, as far as I'm concerned. But every time you receive, if you if you if you come to some kind of a conjunction there where you think you've received, then you probably have work to do because there there's nothing to receive. You, you aren't fundamentally separate. Uh, aren't fundamentally receptive. Is separate a word? It is now. The next talk will be on re separate. No, I wouldn't do that to you guys. Got to answer your question or make things worse. Neither of both. You get smart with me. <laughs> Neither of both. You guys hear that non-dual talking. Further questions out there in Zoom land? Isaac Bowen. Yes, Isaac. Sorry, I saw another question in the chat. I can. Whatever you want. You're... Let me read that one first. It's from Maria. Who can hear the sound of one hand clapping? Nobody. 
Nobody can, because if somebody hears it, it's not one hand clapping, and it's uh, it's uh, wrong, it's wrong. And no one hears it. That's why it's uh, it is so such a powerful teaching. Sound of one hand. So we're going to sound, and we're going to one hand, and then you know, and then sometimes people get a little silly with it, and they try to one up the Zen master and slap themselves on the head or something like that. And that's kind of a that cheapens the whole thing. We don't need that. You don't need the one hand to hit something. It's not about uh, literally doing it. It's, a, it's the sound of one hand clapping. I hear it. You hear it? You hear it? No, you don't. Hear it. Do I hear it? Yeah, I hear it. Okay, Maria. It's all the questions you get to ask. Isaac Bowing. Getting you. Go ahead. Go ahead. So um, when a question arises, um, I try to investigate it. That's my first impulse. Um, and, but when that happens, it seems um, I'm instantly overwhelmed with an answer. And I don't know if that answer is should i should i ask is it better to ask spontaneous the questions right away without investigation i guess for me personally or should i try to really um summarize it and get to the bottom as much as i can you got any more ors no no, you shouldn't. That help? Let me rephrase because it doesn't. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> Mind if I lean back? Sure, sure. <laughs> Mind if I do? <laughs> yeah. No. Should I, should I ask the question right away when it arises? Bowing. I would say it's, you know, uh, I don't think there's any situation that I could say, always do this. I would say, leave it up to you. I mean, if it's a question that you can answer yourself, you might want to see uh, what the teaching person has to say. You just recently asked me to function as your teacher. Well, I have a teacher. You know, you're not going to give the teacher the benefit of the doubt. So you should always come forward with a question. Just keep it as simple as possible. Leave all the, uh, the oars at home in your boat. Uh, just a straight question. If you think you have the answer to the question, then you could ask the question in such a way that the only way I can respond to you is directly, which is my favorite pastime. Direct, direct, direct. Either or is, you know, that's, that's your issue. If you give me a bunch of ors, then I'm thinking, you know, what are we going to do with that? I might have to just, just say what I just said a minute ago, which was what? No. Then you'll notice that that fits. Why does it fit? Because you don't know what you've asked me. You have to know what, you, what you're asking. It's a very, very, this is the deception of ego that it's so incredibly intelligent. The, the mind stream is, is, a, is a, and I'm not, it's not a compliment to you. I'm just saying our minds are incredibly gifted or intelligent. Just as human beings have built, we've gone to the moon and all I can go on and on and on. Or we produced 2,500 years ago, we produced 
uh, a spiritual genius of the first order, which is the Buddha, and lots of other ones since then. And that's powerful intelligence that looks at the complicated miasma of the world and relative truth and is able to see just this. There's no self, there's no separate self anywhere. Everything is dependent on everything. Of course, he had the support of uh, Indian philosophy, which goes back even further than that into the, the various uh, uh, ancient teachings of India. But so you could just, when a question comes up, if you don't want a teacher, that's up to you. But if you have a teacher, then ask the teacher, make it as direct as possible. Just ask what it is, and then and then you get a response, and then you might have another question there. So keep it as call and response. I sometimes say I don't. I mean, I, I don't have conversations. I can. I can have all kinds of conversations with people. I'm just kind of hanging out in the in the coffee shop. We get a coffee shop. We don't have one, but if we ever get a coffee shop, I'll meet you there. We'll we'll sit down and we'll have coffee if that's on my diet at the time, which it may not be. And then we'll, we'll have, a, you know, go back and forth about a conversation. But when I'm sitting here functioning as a Dharma teacher, then you just give me a straight question, no matter what it is, I'll do my very best. I'm as sincere as I can be to help you see, uh, in this situation, see the nature of uh, the uh, enemy number one. Further question, Eric? I mean, uh, Isaac? Um, thank you. That, yeah, that's that wraps up that one. Another quick one. Um, I just finished cutting through spiritual materialism. Should for my next book to start. Wait, I have my options for you. I, I'm going to give you ores for this one. But, Don't give me any ores. I got an option for you. I got it already. You ready? Read again. Yeah. All right. No, That's no, what I was thinking. You might be a student of mine after all. Yeah, read it again. And, I was actually thinking that. Yeah, read but. it again and slow down and read it, especially the introduction, uh, the introduction on uh, that talks about the three lords of materialism and the next chapter, which is called spiritual materialism. Read those so you're really clear about those. We have studied, we've been studying that book. Uh, I've been studying that with a community, a small two or three people or as many as uh, a couple dozen for the last I don't know, 48 years, 47 years, every week, and sometimes a couple times a week. That that book by Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche is endless. It has an endless depth to it of all the texts he wrote. I'm not saying there weren't maybe better texts. I haven't read everything. But that's a powerful, accessible text for the beginning person and for somebody who's been studying for 20 or 30 years. Extremely powerful information on the nature of ego, the nature of the mind, the nature of confusion, the nature of the, the three, uh, the three realms, the six realms, and uh, so on. So yeah, read that again. As you know, uh, Isaac, you can also study that. I think what is it? Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights here. You're on Eastern time, so Tuesday nights. Tune in. We 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 go that through that book, and we get done with it. Go right back through it again. We've been doing that, and it's much to the dismay of those who are studying it. Great, thank you. Yeah. Yes, Christopher. Um, Christopher Bowling. So, <clears throat> if if the ego is enemy number one, then is is there like a, a, a non-ego or like a non-self? And and if there is, then how 
how is it distinct or in relation to the ego? Yeah, the, it's wisdom would be the opposite if you wanted to use a, a polarity. Wisdom, uh, so That's what you call it. yeah, wisdom. It's an open dimension that doesn't see anything else but wisdom. It, does, it really doesn't even see wisdom, but we need to talk about it relatively, otherwise you can't teach it. It doesn't see something else. It doesn't see space and time. It doesn't see anything else. Yet it also doesn't ignore anything. So therefore, if relative truth shows up, it's totally happy with that. It's happy with everything. You can't find that kind of happiness in relative truth. Buddhism, this is the, what is this? What is called talked about in Buddhism is blitz, which is not happiness particularly. It's not a feeling. More? Shoto bowing. What, to use that idea of wisdom and the ego, what, what's having our dreams at night? What is having our dreams? What's the presumption that there's a what? You think 15 mice in a row are having our dreams? That's where I went immediately. Which, dream, which mouse is having the strongest part of the dream? Which mouse is holding up that part of the dream that has the most sharp edges in it? And which mouse is, you see what I'm saying? You take, could take that anywhere. Give me, give me what it is you want to know rather than what you've boiled down into the bottom of the pan. Go ahead. What do you want to know? What do you want to understand? Give it to me simply. I can't help you there. Maybe somebody else can. Christopher, can you help him? Okay, he's about to help you. Go ahead, Christopher. Um, what is the the non the thing that creates our dreams? The what? The what? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, why do you have to give it a label? There's your answer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christopher. Okay, further questions? Uh, yes, Jusendai. How do we not fight with an enemy? So you might have to somewhat. You might have to interact in a way that you would call fighting somewhat so you can get an idea of what the whole structure is about. Because if we try to cure ourselves, be really good too quick, then that which has not been observed the, the cheating part of the, the dishonest, the deceitful part of the, of the consciousness goes underground and waits for, you could say, excuse me, waits for a time when uh, it can be triggered and come out of that cave of demons and just blow everything away. So it charges its batteries in the back room. So you might have to, in order to keep that from building up, you might have to be, I sometimes say, just be, be genuine, like as Trump Rinpoche said, or be the, be the emotion for 30 seconds, the very emotion that you're trying to get rid of. Be the anger, be the jealousy, be the avarice, be the greed, be the anxiety, be, be instead of trying to medicate or meditate or push on it or do anything to get rid of it, got to get rid of this. I just I can't stand this feeling anymore. Give it a little bit of room to, so you can see what it is. Jesus, is 
coming back to the concept that there isn't anyone adding confusion onto the situation? Not necessarily. I and mean, that's why it's a teaching, it's a conceptual concept. There is no self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness, no one there. No, there's something happening there, but it is not a, a separate being. It's an aspect of dependent origination that shows up uh, in the mind stream of a living being, of a human being, that tends to uh, start to polarize and look for right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure, materialism. And there are some people who are, some cultures who, um, some aspects of indigenous culture is a lot of emphasis on spirit realm, on transcending this world and not on being on kindness, taking care of others. It might not, might not be necessarily some kind of ultimate enlightenment, but it might be just a, a strong respect for the confusion and the, and the, uh, disharmony in people who have difficulty rather than going to war and fighting with them and take care of them. Just like if you had three children, which you don't, who were unruly and you wouldn't be mean to them, you would try to help them. But those same three children, when they're 30 years old, uh, suddenly they're wrong. Suddenly they're enemies, they're not your children necessarily. Tend to go to war with something that threatens us so that we can't control. Well, is coming back to that concept that there isn't anyone at odds with being the emotion? Paraphrase your question. Can we? I. Does coming back to a concept to get in the way of experiencing what's showing up? Yeah, it does. But but your but the awareness is there, so you're 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 not you're not trapped by that particular situation because you're you've been training your awareness, which is not a muscle particularly, and it's not a gathering of some kind of insight gun. It's just it's uh, this is why the teaching of the Dharmakaya, Sambhogakaya, Nirmanakaya that that things are functioning on several different levels. Absolute truth. As someone who realizes what this is, uh, is living in absolute truth and in relative truth simultaneously. And it's so powerful that if you meet them uh, and, and you don't know that they're, that, they, that they're a Dharma teacher, they'll just seem like any other ordinary person having a toothache or having a cup of coffee or complaining about politics. But the deep understanding is seeing that there is no issue or problem anywhere. Everything is perfect as it is. This doesn't mean you ignore uh, the relativity. This doesn't mean you let people break into your house because we're all one. No, you go and you take them out if you need to. You, you deal with it. You'll have some kind of special person who's, who's getting, who's, who is kind, but they're, they're actually using the kindness to get an identity that they're a kind person. So they can somehow uh, skip rope all the way through a lifetime and they're still going to end up uh, facing their, their self-deception. Excuse me, Mike. Going yes. back on something you said in book study yesterday, um, I don't know what awakening is, but I don't have any doubts about you. What, what am I perceiving? I don't know what it looks like to you. You mean I look okay? <laughs> I 
don't know. It's kind of confusing, isn't it? What do you want to know? What's the question? What shows up as clear? You're looking at yourself. You're not looking at Juzon. You're looking at your, your true nature. You begin to see it in another person. It's called a true teacher, a person who is speaking out of their a human being who has realized the, their true nature. And, and if this person sets themselves up or someone sets them up or circumstances set them up as a someone who's teaching the truth, a spiritual path, then in our situation is called Buddha Dharma. Not that it couldn't happen within someone in with some other designation or name or structure. So you recognize it, you meet that person and you there's something there that you what, connect with or that helps you to see your self-deception. That was my experience when I met my teacher. It was uh, at once exhilarating and painful because I was looking at someone who was looking at me, was not looking at their idea of me, they were looking at me. And that was uh, embarrassing. But I'm particularly screwed up, and you're not. That's why you're probably not having that issue. More? Any further questions? Kuhn. Kuhn, Bobby. What's controlling enemy number one? Fear. Fear of, of oblivion. You know, you got a little bit of street cred here because you're somebody, you're going somewhere, these are your feet, these are these are your hands, this is your uh, motorbike, you know, you got your everywhere you look and everything you do, you're getting relative confirmation. This is my kotsu, this is, I made this, no, I didn't, but I could, I could lie about it, you guys would know. That was my wrist that hurt when I reached up there. Hurt like hell. Ouch. Just the relative stuff that's everywhere just, just keeps staying separate, 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 separate. And then when we get worried about the separation and paranoia, apparently something's something is in danger, something is frightened. And and the nature of consciousness can break down into any form. Consciousness always, always, always finds its own form. And what is its own? That depends on the relative. It's situational. It could be if someone dying in that consciousness uh, could come, come out and find your form and you could be inhabited by a, what we commonly call a ghost or a spirit. Can that happen? Sure. Okay. Does it happen much? Probably not very much, but it happens just enough to create more chaos in the world because people are so grounded in materialism. They, they just think that can happen because there's no proof. It's like if you, if you, if you can't, uh, if somebody can disprove gravity, that I mean everybody's going to go flying off into space. What's the proof of gravity? Apples fall. Is that right? Yeah, in the fall. And who pushed them? Does somebody have to push in that? Does it just? I mean, is it? Is there some time right there where the gravity just gets so strong and the the the, the love of the apple for its mama gets so weak? that it just falls. 
the tree on it. Yes, go ahead, please. When we see that our beliefs are fueling the the control, what yes. do we do with that? Um, just look at the beliefs. Don't get a, don't get rid of them. Just look at the structure of it. What what like is that true? You believe something, and you could actually question it. And simply, is that true? You don't have to do it day in and day out, but you could continue to return to that particular area. Simply put, it might be different if we were to sit down and talk about it more. Question. When you're following, um, the response you gave to Kuhn, you said consciousness always finds its own form and its form depends on, what does its form depend on then? Dependent origination. The consciousness and all of the things that are coming and going, these are illusory because they're impermanent, but they're still, there's still something there, uh, but it's uh, unreal. It has no substance in the sense of, I mean, it doesn't mean that a piece of granite and, a, uh, as I sometimes say, a candle flame, they're both here, but one is extremely dense and the other one is not so dense. So there's different levels of that density and it goes way further than that rock into more density, sometimes called a black hole. And the, the, the candle flame goes uh, the other direction into less and less and less density, which is called the spirit realm. If we're still staying with some kind of relative substance. More. How does consciousness know what to do? Meets dependent origination. It's not separate from it. it. Just look, that's the illusion. It looks like objects in the in the space. It looks like the clouds in the sky that they arise in are two separate things. The space of the mind and the thoughts that arise in the mind are not separate. That's why you don't have to do anything with them. You don't have to get rid of thoughts. Some meditation practices are about stopping the mind or not thinking. Even in the Sadhana Mahamudra, Trungpa Rinpoche and his download from the universe called the Sadhana Mahamudra, download from the Kagyu lineage, uh, talks about uh, I can't remember the can't, I'm not bringing up the phrase. Can any of you remember that about the good, bad, happy, inside all thoughts, mentioned in two separate versions, right? No, that's good though. You remember <laughs> that? Good. You need to say that every day. <laughs> uh, keep saying that. Good and bad, happy and sad, all thoughts, Spanish and emptiness, like the imprint of the bird in the sky. You believe that? It's not going to come back. Did I answer your question? Don't remember. <laughs> it just all feels mysterious. Well, the feeling uh, when you was talking about it all feeling mysterious, the feeling of mysterious is not so bad. I mean, that's a that could be more, that's because that's more of an open dimension. That's a kind of thing that the ego mind, the conceptual mind, the hope and fear mind, the personal, the persona, the personhood mind, 
uh, looks at the nebulousness or the cloudiness of the whole thing. It just feels mysterious uh, from the point from a point of view. Point of view. The point of view. It looks mysterious that you're probably looking at it. But then, but then there's a concept or there's a coming to a conclusion about it that is mysterious, which actually stops you from seeing what it is. It actually is that you settle for a judgment about it. It's mysterious. It's just mysterious. What do you guys think? Mysterious? No, it's 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 just what it is. There isn't any label for it. Mysterious cloudiness might describe it somewhat. Is there a question in the chat box that someone could read or not? A Jason Brown. If you notice that your desire to ask questions appears to feed your ego, would it maybe be better to not ask you questions as soon as they arise, bowing? I don't know if I'd put that kind of a gate on it necessarily. You could experiment with it a little bit. If, I, if you ask questions and I get real rude with you, that might tell you one thing. You ask another question and I might compliment you on what a wonderful question you ask and wish everybody would ask questions like that, but everybody can't be like you, Jason. So I'm just saying it just is so dependent on so many different things. I would say if you're here and you consider, at least for the time being, maybe you're not a, a, not a committed to me as a student or have a relationship to me as your personal teacher. But if you're here, you're, I get to be the teacher for a little while for another 20 minutes or whatever it may be. Why wouldn't you ask questions? Ask whatever question you got. Let me have it. I'll be as respectful as I can and try to help you as much as I can without getting in the way of the karma that you probably probably need to experience in order to realize your true nature. Any further questions? Isaac Bowen. Go ahead, please. How can I put myself in a situation to surrender, bowing. Yeah, just just keep practicing. Just notice the way you're hanging on. Just to be aware of the hanging on. Be aware of the hanging on, because uh, at some point you might be aware of that you're letting go. But if you're aware that you're letting go, even that is hanging on because you come to a conclusion that you're letting go. But the letting go will be invisible. The letting go will be. Uh, absolute devastation to the ego. When I say devastation, I'm just saying it can take a while. You might have to take that in small chunks. It, it, for each person, it works so many different ways. Uh, some people don't don't experience that kind of a devastation. It's a, a different path for them. But when you ask that kind of a question, I would say just continue. You, all you have to do is continue. I just met you. A, short time ago, you've been practicing a short time, you're a young person, that doesn't give you a handicap particularly, but I would say just keep going, this takes a while, keep going, I'll help you, as long as I'm here, I'll help you, when I'm not here, my students will help you. Thank they you. Promised me they would, so 
and I'm going to hold them responsible. I'll be looking at them from the Dharmakaya with uh, binoculars. That's the one time I'm okay with duality. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that goofy guy can't possibly be awake. You'd be right. You can't be. Any final questions? A little bit, a little bit of time, possibly another five minutes. There's one. If not, we can also close. Choto, Mellon. Um, earlier when you were talking about um, either meeting the teacher or the Buddha someone not at war with anything could someone still be at war with that person say more i'm not tracking what you're saying could what? the could the one who has no enemies um could people impute an enemy that direction yes that's why it's so difficult because you can't it's not relative truth you're not going to get any proof out of this you have to see this. If you see it, that's the only way you can save all beings. Up until, up until that time, you vow to do it. You vow to do it. You can keep returning to relative bodhicitta so that you can eventually see absolute bodhicitta, absolute mind of awakening. So it takes some time. And everyone's working this in a different way. The karma that brought you into this life, that brought me into this life, that uh, sent you, or Ondo, or Don, or anyone else is so different. So we come to this path and we just do the best we can with it. But there's, there's not going to be, uh, there's not going to be, this is sometimes what, um, we'll say it this way. There's not going to be a conclusion. Awakening is not a conclusion because it's not separate from anything. So it can't go from uh, delusion to awakening. That's why delusion is awakening. You have to see it. I can say the, the difficult one in the West would be for one to uh, grasp, or should I say grok, that good and evil are not separate from each other. You can't have evil without good. You can't have good without evil because they, they feed off from each other for their, their uh, uh, manifestation as that polarity. This doesn't mean that, that uh, so-called evil is somehow gets a, a you know, ticket to ride just because it's, I'm part of this, so I get to jump on the train with my skull and crossbones and my my uh, samurai sword. Jason Bowen. Yes, Jason. By labeling uh, ego as an enemy, are we thus um, feeding the ego because of the nature the duality nature of that statement, bowing. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it doesn't. It fundamentally, doesn't work. It's just just something to name a a dharma talk. But I reminded you, I did not name this. Kozan did it. I didn't do this. <laughs> did I just unravel the entire talk? No, you don't have that power. <laughs> Go ahead, Kozan, speak up, defend yourself. <laughs> Kozan Bowing, it came up in book study yesterday and you said, before going to war out there, make friends with the enemy inside. Yes. 
How do we make friends with the enemy inside? Just continue to look at it and look at the negativity, look at the positivity, look at the structure of, of what you want, what you don't want, and just look at the self-deception until it, it clarifies itself. And the way it clarifies itself is not to go away. It's just part of dependent origination. You finally have what is commonly called humility, but it's not going to show up as as somebody who everybody thinks is humble. That won't because because someone who actually has or is full of that dynamic is a is like a blank a blank screen for everyone. There's nothing happening there. So therefore, everybody can project, and someone who sees who's there uh, might project. They might see humility there. They might see love. If they're really having a lot of difficulty, they might see a threat because I get too close to this person and uh, my self-centeredness, my ego, my uh, credentials, my wonderful ability to analyze and uh, is threatened because here's a person who uh, sees clearly what's in front of them, whomever is in front of them, sees the truth. This is what I experienced with my, my root guru. Goes on bowing. Yes. Tim has a question in the chat box and he asks, is my ego responsible for karma? Bowing. So, uh, somewhat, but it's a, ego is just a temporary uh, device to give you some kind of uh, positionality in terms of whatever is happening to you. And it kind of develops each lifetime. It comes up in different ways to watch a small child slowly, you know, get, because of causes and conditions that brought them here, those still, those things are still trailing around, still looking for some kind of way to control, ward off fear, um, uh, get some kind of basic safety going on. So you'd say that there's a responsibility, but it's not its not something we have to go to war with or solve or get rid of. You don't have to get rid of something that's unreal. The whole damn thing is unreal. The whole, the whole calliope is just makes a lot of racket. Something that uh, has been mentioned before. A lot of bluster and it's just everywhere. Just a lot of energy going this way. Sometimes that energy shows up in the form of uh, nuclear warfare, just a manifestation of the stuff that's happening in the mind. We, we're so worried. We think we actually need to blow up the world to save us. Not really smart. Uh, aliens are watching us, you know, and they're, they're having a hard time with us <laughs> because we're their experiment. You guys knew that, right? The aliens. Well, cause I'm bowing. Yeah. Nettie has a question. Nettie, go ahead. She says, may it defeat the enemy wrongdoing. Is there an example, please? Yeah, may it defeat the enemy wrongdoing from the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness, and death. May I free all beings. That's the complete or that tail end of it. So may it defeat the enemy wrongdoing. It's, it's the, it's, we're deliberately looking at the ego structure and calling a calling a, a, a diamond a diamond, a heart a heart, 
spade a spade. We're calling it what it is, relatively. May defeat the enemy wrongdoing. From the stormy waves of birth, old age, sickness, and death, those are the last of the 12 links in the chain of existence, which you may recognize. May I free all beings to evolve the Bodhisattva to put others before themselves. Quite a big vow. Don't do it unless you have to. There's no credential there. You won't even know if you're functioning as a Bodhisattva, you won't even know it because you'll meet everybody as they are and you'll just be that person. They may know that that's what's happening. They may not. They may think they're looking at themselves. They may think they're looking at somebody else. They may think they're looking at a, an enemy, a lover, a guru, a friend, uh, any, any number of things that show up that way. I'm sure you've noticed. Junshu Bowing, there are two questions from Jethro in the UK. Jethro. The first question is, as a newcomer to Shikantaza, how often should I sit? Uh, just a general situation. It would be depending on your, uh, whatever, your situation, your job, your family. You know, if you can sit for an hour a day, 40 minutes to an hour a day, every day, strike the bell, sit, pull still, look at the wall or a refrigerator or whatever, something where nothing is happening and uh, don't add, subtract, divide, if you can help them. If you add, subtract and divide, then just watch that happen. And then try to, a uh, general idea there is to try to do block sitting. If you can, once a week, you can join the monastery has a, a block sit is on, we have everything we do these days is on Zoom, I think, isn't it? Pretty much, you can, this monastery is a, uh, there's something happening just about every day. And Thursday is just block set day. There's no sutras being chanted from seven in the morning till 11 is block set. Um, uh, one o'clock till five in the afternoon is uh, block setting. And you can come on and see people sitting, I don't know how many, maybe three, <laughs> two or three, whatever. People that don't have jobs or can do that, come and sit down, hold still. We don't do uh, guided, uh, don't do walking meditation together because I think that's up to you when you get up and walk, not up to somebody with a bell in their uh, striker in their hand or some kind of a schedule. It doesn't work. And how did I come to that idea from doing it the other way for uh, three and a half decades? That's how I decided that's not important. Not important. Walking meditation should be up to you, not up to somebody looking at a schedule. That being said, everything is up to you. But so if you ask me, I would say, sit for an hour a day. That's pretty good, more or less, or sit less if you need to, or more if you can, and then try to do some block sitting. And then I have a whole video called Block Sitting, which explains uh, in detail how that works and what that, what that is about. It isn't just as simple as it sounds. I think it's on YouTube, isn't it? Bunch of people here are shaking their heads, and they're all people I know. Right? No? <laughs> Jun Shibowing, his second question is yes. Is it necessary to drop all other practices from other traditions? You know, that would be up to you. Uh, uh, just as a, off the top of my head, I would say, yeah, I probably should simplify it a little bit. Just like a, it's hard to be on three different diets at the same time. 
And this is a an ego diet. But to have a lot, try, especially if you're going back and forth of which one. I know I get caught in that all the time with any diet I'm on. And I have all this input from all these uh, brainy people. And uh, But I still listen to them. I consider, I consider what, what people say about anything that has to do with something, an area that I'm not sure of what all is happening. Uh, as you know, this is a pretty complicated situation as far as health goes. Hard to say what's happening. And it's hard to figure out what when somebody's trying to help you and when they're trying to use you, make money from you, control you. This is true in the meditation uh, situation or Buddhism it happens it's in everything. So I would say probably less is better, but you could say, well, we've got all these scrolls and all these fancy mantras and everything, but those have been looked at very closely. There isn't anything happening here that doesn't need to be here based on what? On what this old man sees, not on something written down in a book somewhere. So I would say, you know, not knowing anything about you at all, including your age or anything, but I would say, you could set, if you're interested in Shikantaz, if you're interested in what, what I'm teaching, you could look at, I think, my book, uh, Meditation Primers, on, uh, maybe you've seen that, maybe not. Um, that's basic Shikantaz uh, instruction, and that's on Kindle, and it's, you can buy the book from the monastery or on Amazon or wherever. But you, you could read those and just do, what, there's 17 of them in there. Just do 17 days and just do that. Don't do anything else for a while. Stay away. You can drink coffee. You know, wait a minute, that's a diet. Uh, let's see. Yeah, do, I would say lim eliminate. If you have a, 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 a sutra you're chanting or something like that, uh, I wouldn't necessarily get rid of that. And if you, if you actually have a teacher, uh, it doesn't have to be me, then, you know, you might ask permission of that from that teacher. So say you want to practice this for a while. You don't have a teacher, then, and you want to relate to this per person for a teacher, then you know, do Shikantaza for 17 days. And at the end of that, come back and we'll talk some more about it. If, if you'd like, there's no, no requirement. Final thing uh, before we close is. The, the reason to do this, the, the ultimate reason, reason is to save all beings, to, to support our, our Sangha, our world, uh, human beings, all living beings, all sentient beings, all insentient beings, all, all save everything. And you know, how do we do that? We realize we're not separate from it. That's a, it's a powerful realization. It's not a conclusion. It's a realization, big difference. So, and we have to go at it slow. We have to start where we're at and proceed along, train our minds. Uh, you, If you can, uh, I'm very biased. You're probably going to need the structure of the Buddha or the teacher, the Dharma or the teaching, and the Sangha or the community. Right now, we've got all three. I make no claims other than saying Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, teacher, teaching, community. Very important. Those three are all indispensable in my experience over the last whatever it's been long time. Did you have another question, Kozan? Well, uh, Timothy Shepard has said, asks, how 
Do you find peace of mind when life gives you chaos? I'm interested in joining, please. Say your book again. The book is A Meditation Primer, P-R-I-M-E-R, and it's available from the monastery. It's available on Kindle and Amazon. And, uh, yeah, you can, that's a very simple approach to it. And, and you get, you're welcome to join the, <clears throat> any of the, what, dozen book studies that are on from out of the monastery. Yeah, and there's a, Junchu's just posted the, the website, so you can go there and you can get a lot more information from that. Okay. <laughs> I just saw one of the monks do this, so that must mean it's time to do this. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we in every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery. Our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.